American wrestling exploded onto Irish television in the 1980s. What a physical match! What a great way to start SmackDown! Between Sheamus in a very game, Damian Sandow! Names like Hulk Hogan, The Ultimate Warrior and The Undertaker became schoolyard favourites as young children emulated their antics up and down the country. Today, the industry is just as big and under the name of the WWE or World Wrestling Entertainment, wrestling superstars are icons to millions worldwide. Unbeknownst to most Irish people, one of the biggest names in the business is a man born and raised in Dublin, Seamus. Seamus was brought up on North Great George's Street and he said uh, the way that the ring is set up here tonight, it reminds him of uh, the street he was brought up in Dublin. Here we go, street by Gaelic. Gaelic is actually how you'd say it, Seamus and Damien Sandow. Worlds apart from the huge stadiums and TV audiences of America's WWE, I'm in a community centre in Ballyshannon, County Donegal. Stephen Muldoon from Wrestling.ie is selling up a ring for tonight's show. Seamus started wrestling at shows like this, which feature regularly up and down the community halls and small towns countrywide. Promoters like Stephen's Wrestling.ie, or Dublin's Main Stage Wrestling, run these shows where young Irish wrestlers, hoping to be the next Seamus, cut their teeth and learn their trade. As Stephen sets up the ring, he tells me about the excitement wrestling brings to a crowd, and I begin to get a picture of the attraction for the wrestlers. The level of noise there comes from a wrestling show. It's unlike any other sort of theatrical production. In old pantomime, you get a lot of crowd interaction stuff like that, but not for two hours solid. You know, and the guys actually come off their seats and they'll be, be sometimes <laughs> throw stuff into the ring, you know, they really, really get into it, you know, so it's very loud. And then, you know, it's like, uh, a tennis match or something, you know, the, 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 the noise is going from one side of the court to the other sort of thing, you know, and the guys are shouting and rowing, telling the boys, you know, be quiet and shut up, and then the next guy comes out, he says, come on now, let's hear you, let's make some noise, you know, and uh, sometimes I find the people who aren't wrestling fans at all enjoy the, the show far more, because it's kind of like, you know, uh, an experience for them or something, it's like, you know, walking into, you know, Willy Wonka's chocolate factory or something, it's like, oh my God, I didn't even know this existed. I'm backstage at the show with an up-and-coming Irish wrestler, Bam Catraz, who is hoping to follow Seamus' footsteps, as are many of his companions. We are packed into a small hotel room, doubling up as a dressing room, and Bam sets the scene for me before his fight, which is next on the bill. Pretty much what everyone would imagine to be their standard hotel room if they were going on a budget. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, we just make the most of it. Everyone, everyone here gets on, so it's not really a, a, it's not that bad. But uh, in this case, I know who I'm wrestling. I just I don't know who's going over, which would be winning, and I don't know who's going to work babyface and heel, good guy and bad guy. I think I'm literally walk straight from here down out to the out to the ring. This form of wrestling is known as sports entertainment. It walks a thin line between sport and theatre, and by all accounts is accepted by neither discipline. Bam, dressed in bright orange, interacts with the crowd as he walks towards the ring. He is like an actor in a theatre, 
playing his role in the show that is about to begin. Getting the crowd into the story which is being told is essential. There are good guys called baby faces and bad guys known as heels. As many of the spectators here will never have seen Bam before, he must let them know that he is the good guy and his opponent Sammy is his enemy. This is done through costume, characters, music and by Bam working the crowd on his entrance. Bam struggles to get the better of Sammy, taking a series of heavy blows before knocking Sammy to the ground to the crowd's delight. Laid flat out on the ground, Sammy's had enough. Bam gets to his feet as the referee raises his hand and awards him the match. The biggest thing about it that I think a lot of people don't realise is that uh, it's such a like wrestling, like even as you could see our match wasn't excessively, we didn't take a lot of big bumps or anything, it was a lot of just interacting with the crowd. And uh, the thing is though is that I'd still be heavy breathing even though I only had there for 10 minutes because it's such a uh, stop-start form of cardio almost, it's such a small confined space. It isn't like, like you feel like you've run a marathon when you've just run back and forth in a 16 foot ring, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I'm happy enough with how it went. I'll have to go and see how Sammy is and I'll, you know, shake his hand and thank him for the match. But uh, yeah, it was good. I come from a long line of Celtic warriors. I'm all about having a laugh, a good time, because I'm generally a nice guy. Reputation for being a hothead. Let's just say, I'm spirited. Too many lies, the Celtic warrior Seamus. Don't let that smile fool you. When he's provoked, that Irish temper comes out. Seamus, a hothead, a mean streak. Two-time WWE champion, a king of the ring. I don't think I've seen anyone make as big an impact here in the WWE as quickly as Seamus. There will be only one man. Standing at the top, me, the Celtic warrior. Although known as Seamus to his millions of fans, his real name is Stephen Farrelly, and he is as Irish as it comes. A fluent Irish speaker, standing at six foot four inches with pale skin and red hair. Age 35 and born in Cabra on Dublin's north side, he spent the best part of his life living there until he was signed to the WWE in America. Like many of his generation, he grew up watching wrestling, but rather than leave it behind as he got older, 
he pursued his dream to become a superstar, like those he watched on TV as a boy. I want to talk to Sheamus, but getting access to a wrestler from the WWE isn't easy. In a business which depends on characters and storylines, a request for an interview is no simple process, as I find out when I contact the agents for Sheamus and the WWE in London. They've asked me to provide them with detailed information on the documentary, the audience, the station and how he will be portrayed. While I'm waiting on them to come back to me, I meet Bam Katraz in the gym to find out more about Sheamus and his early wrestling career. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, I applied fake hand to Seamus. <laughs> really, tell us about that. So, we had a TV show called Whiplash, right? It used to be on a channel on Sky called The Wrestling Channel. So, this was around 2006. So, I, I was on the first season, but not on the second season. So, uh, Seamus, this is when he was, like, trying to fit the stereotypical mold of a pro wrestler, which would have been, you know tan, bronze sort of body. So he would try, like the thing is, with the color, color, the pigmentation of his skin, like he just couldn't take tan very well. So he'd do beds, he'd apply tan and stuff like, so there was a show I was helping out at and no one would do his back. So it fell to me to, uh, well, it's regardless, what I, the thing is, some people still hold on to the uh, manly vibe of, of pro wrestling. You know what I mean? Can't do that sort of thing. But the thing is, is that a lot of wrestling is cosmetic or aesthetic. And uh, it is a lot about how we look. So he knew that, I knew that. So I tanned his back for him. <laughs> he appreciated it, I hope. But uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, not one of my proudest moments. So I'm just gonna go get some plates to lift. And the thing is, is though, the real, the true to it is that a lot of making it and wrestling is luck and who you know. Not necessarily from a political standpoint, but it could just be that one match or that one show or that one interaction you had with somebody that made them look at you and that could lead to you getting a contract, you know what I mean? So, I think maybe given another year or so, if I can really get myself into the shape I want to be in, or at least closer to it, then uh, I'll probably feel better about it. But until then, all I'll see is these, I'll just take, not, like I'm not down on myself, I don't lack confidence. I just like to be realistic about my goals. When Seamus started his career in Ireland, he wrestled with a school called Irish Whip Wrestling, run by Simon Rochford. I am Simon Rochford. I am the promoter, founder and organiser for IWW, which is Irish Whip Wrestling. The one thing Seamus had over his size and his build was his determination. He had it like he wanted to do it. He'd keep talking about it, he'd keep focusing on it. Uh, imagine me in WWE, he'd say like, oh, like, I'd be with Seamus and he'd have uh, figures to come in for British Bulldog Terror Foundation. He'd order them offline. And he'd just be staring at these figures sometimes and be like, imagine having your own figure, imagine if I was a figure. So he had that in his head, like he would think like that. So it's like positive thinking, law of attraction. But when you say wrestling, this really annoys me with people. You say wrestling, they laugh at you like, you know, so wrestling. As if you don't realise it's storyline. You know, of course it's storyline, it's stage, it's entertainment. But they talk to you as if you're the last person to know this, like, you know. It's, 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 yeah, frustrating. At Main Stage Wrestling School, Bam takes me through the various moves. Lockups, bumps, rollovers and wrist locks. Up to 10 wrestlers gather around the ring in Paris to practice routines. We, we all, like the big secret is, you know, is it real, is it fake? It's neither. It, it's predetermined in nature. 
because the two people are working together to provide fantastic entertainment for children, adults, people everywhere. Everybody can enjoy it. But uh, everything we do in the ring does legitimately hurt. Like, it is still made of wood and steel. Like, there's no way to, uh, like, that noise, there's no way to fake that. You know what I mean? We're, we are trained how to land, uh, you know, to protect our lower backs and prioritize landing on our upper backs because, as most people will know themselves, uh, we have big, hard shoulder blades. Outside, main stage wrestler and trainer Johnny Nataro takes two new recruits through the specifics of the wrist lock and most importantly how to sell it to the crowd like it's painful despite the fact that it's choreographed yeah so come in yeah throw off his right arm so throw it off right so as it, it should be one fluid motion right so lock him so you're throwing his right off give me your arm and as you throw it off you come back over and you hook his arm into a key lock yeah a lot of people they're smart they're wired to wrestling they know it's you know, it's not 100%, it's not, it's not even 10%, right? But they, <laughs> so when you're in it, right, if you have a free hand, like, everyone's going to ask it. You know, I remember when I watched wrestling and the guy was in the wrist lock and me, da, me dad was watching it and, you know, your dad's kind of old and he's sceptical, cynical, and he's kind of like, why, is, why doesn't he just punch him, right? So to take the emphasis off the free hand to the crowd, you sell, you grab something up here, you grab your shoulder, you go, you know, you grab something. So they're not wondering about that, that hand that's, yeah. Yeah, they're not wondering about that. Why don't you just punch him? You know, so. <laughs> that was your lasting effect on you. Oh, yeah, definitely. True, <laughs> <laughs> Dad. That's, That's right, though, Thanks it? for ruining wrestling for me, Dad. <laughs> yeah. I, I love wrestling. <laughs> now, luckily, I kind of... I think that when I kind of figured out that I wasn't 100% legitimate when I was a kid, I actually just loved it more, you know? Yeah. So, when you're in WWE, you can say, Hey, Vince McMahon, you know where I learned the wrist lock? Down a filthy alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hum- humble beginnings. In Crumlin. <laughs> in Crumlin, yeah, down an alleyway in Crumlin. <laughs> there it is, that was a big old face bump Connor just took, landed on his front. The littlest thing can go wrong, particularly when you consider that uh, we're trapped in a ring that is made of wood and steel and is just these ropes that everybody knows synonymous with a ring. They're not actually springy. We just create the illusion that they're springy. Wrestling falls into that crack between is it sport, is it is it uh, entertainment, is it theater? It's neither. It's kind of like a, a, a mesh of, of both, like in between. So neither, neither culture really takes it on as its own. And that's why I think wrestling fans themselves like have a hard time explaining exactly what it is they like about it. It's just there's something appealing about watching characters in bright costumes uh, run around the ring and slam each other and hit the ropes really hard. Karen, wrestling under the name of Kazuji, is the only female wrestler down at Main Stage Wrestling. So as you see, she has absolutely no problem getting in there and uh, taking it to the lads, and that's worked to her advantage. She's already getting a lot of uh, a lot of work elsewhere not just here in main stage and other promotions in the UK as well are interested in using her it, you, you look at it as an equal strength because it's two males but then you, you see a guy slamming a girl like the thing is he didn't have to hit me with anything huge to get you to go whoa he just had to hit me a slam which you've probably seen three or four of them in the match before but uh the fact that he did it to a girl, it's a lot. It has much more of a wow factor because of the size difference. It, it does touch on that sketchy subject. But I think the main basis is to come around and make the crowd see that so long as it's not, a, it's not done distastefully, 
I think it can be done. Because, yeah, you're going to have a man hitting a woman, but for some reason the crowd cheer when the woman hits the guy. Like, you're, you're going to pay way much more attention. So it's like, oh, wait, that's a guy and a girl? What's that about, like... Yeah, I remember walking in the first time, the first class, you just see, like, a row of six or seven boys just all staring at you, like, what the hell is she doing here? <laughs> and then... It, 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 we've had a lot of girls come and go, it's just none have stuck it out yet. Mainstay just seems to be a bit of a boys' club, and I'm pretty much a boy to them. And I've gone out and I've gotten, managed to get myself booked in Brussels at the end of next month, and then I've got another UK booking after that, and kind of taking it one international at a time, because it's still dipping your feet, so I'm kind of like, right, I'll do that and I'll see how I am. Hopefully one day uh, someone can bring rest, like wrestling up to the Katie St- Taylor standpoint. It's been a few weeks now since I contacted James's agents originally. I've sent them all they requested and followed up several times with emails and calls, but I'm getting no response. I'm starting to get an idea about the enormity of the wrestling business that Seamus has entered and the elusiveness of its superstars. Ultimately, all the hard work that Johnny, Kaza and Bam are doing now is to break out of Ireland and into the international scene. If you want to get noticed, you have to do it yourself. You have to really... Like, no one's going to come and just point at you and say, yeah, I want you, and then push you ahead. You really have to circulate a bit more. Like, I tried... I send out, like, wrestling CVs to England and stuff, because, like, England was kind of my first stop. So I sent them out, and I tried sending to as many promotions and get my name out there. So instead of just being, you know, in Ireland or whatever, you could, uh, fair enough, like, over in England, I'm probably just... I'm just another wrestler, because there's a lot more people over there. But I'm still trying to put my name out there, so the more it gets recognised, the more they'll remember it. Because you've done Ireland now and you really, you try, you ask for, you pretty much have to ask, you do yourself up, you put your work in on yourself, but then you have to push it out there to get it seen. Because no one's just going to point at you and say, yeah, okay, I'll take you now. Since the last 10 years, I think Ireland's kind of looked at now as, you know, kind of a hotspot for talent, you know what I mean? I think per capita, you know, there's, uh, you know, Ireland's such a small country, but like there's already, there's three or four people over in, WWE are on their way over to WWE and then there's a good few guys over in Japan. America's not the only place to make it big. In Japan, where wrestling is huge, Irishman Fergal Devitt, going under the alias Prince Devitt, is a household name. An Irish tag team, the Big Hangovers, have also made success for themselves in Japan. When they're not working there, they come back to do shows around Ireland. We're happy. We're, this is, these are good shows. They're good money for us. It's good crowds and stuff like that. But as well as that, we wrestle in Japan for a lot of the year as well. So it's TV, magazines every week. That to us. And that's kind of more wrestling-wise as well. It wouldn't be like entertainment or anything like that. So for us, that's three, four months during the year, maybe one or two trips as well, so it takes up a lot of the year there. Come home, do a few shows here around Europe, Scotland, Germany, stuff like that. So this is full-time for you guys? Yeah, but oh, in Japan it's full-time because you wrestle every day, you know, and the days you have off, you're training. In Europe it's not as much full-time, you might only get two or three shows a week, but it's still, 
decent enough, yeah. you know, in Europe. In Japan, is it different than it is, you know, yeah. the, the wrestling entertainment? Is it different? You're saying it's more, is it more? Yeah, there'll be still there'll be still a lot of entertainment over there. Like they do a lot of entertainment, some gimmicks and stuff like that. But you, you need to be able to wrestle. Like you need to be able to chain wrestle. Your basics have to be very very good, and you need to be a good worker as well. So the entertainment kind of comes second. Like a lot of lads do entertainment spots and stuff like that. But on TV and that. It'd be fairly full on, like they'd be the they'd be the best in the world, the Japanese, you know. They're the top top wrestlers. Yeah, technically to be. If you can't wrestle there, you're in trouble, you know. But I mean in the I think a lot of the stuff in the States and stuff, it's more uh, you know, big man entertainment kind of thing, you know. And I always thought as well, the bigger guys, they're never the best wrestlers, you know. A lot of the time the smaller guys are the best technically wrestlers, you know. While Seamus was trying to make it as a wrestler back in Ireland, he worked as a barman in Dublin alongside Simon Rochford. Myself and uh, Seamus at the time were, he was a barman, I was a bartender. We were talking about um, doing some wrestling, going over to England maybe to train. And one thing led to another and yeah, I ended up setting up Irish Whip and the plan was to train him in and have him as the top guy and yeah, that's basically what happened. So Seamus started as a fan like anybody else. He um, went to the shows when he came to Ireland. He you know, did anything to try and be, a, be in around wrestling. The WWE came to Dublin scouting for talent. Seamus's hard work had paid off and he was asked to try out for a developmental contract. They went in and you had them in doing some uh, you know, lock-ups and rolls and so I asked them to switch, switch around. You had a chat with them and just told them maybe come back to some other stage. Seamus got his tryout again in WF. I think Seamus got, I might, might be wrong in the figure, but I think Seamus had about four or five trials before he was signed. Maybe four, maybe. But uh, yeah, obviously you're impressive. Yeah. You saw something there, like because he kept. But he also kept going. And he was the only one asked back of, like the four lads that went together, the five lads, like you know, like Seamus started first. He wrestled as Goldove, and nobody was interested. He'd just come out, and obviously he was green. Come out, and I said to him, I said, look, you're gonna have to change the gimmick. Something Irish, a real people can chant. So I came up with the SOS Seamus O'Shaughnessy gimmick. So when he was here, we changed the SOS Seamus O'Shaughnessy. Then we started to put him to the ring with, with the Americans that would come over. Uh, people who were in, in WWE back in the day and it took off from him after that the kids got behind him they chant SOS and he got behind his own gimmick as well he was like yeah this is great let's try this let's try that and work from him work from since being signed in 2006 Sheamus has become a WWE superstar and has gone on to win a series of belts including the WWE Championship twice the World Heavyweight Championship and more recently the King of the Ring in 2010 and the Royal Rumble in 2012. Shock and awe throughout the WWE universe. Sheamus is your new WWE champion. I am absolutely stunned. I can't believe it, Sheamus. Sheamus is the WWE champion. He came. Are you, are you still in touch with Sheamus? Shame, myself and Sheamus. Uh, no, at present we're not. We, we were great friends. Actually, Sheamus was the best man of my wedding. Actually, we were very good friends before wrestling. And uh, around the time egos got in the way, Sheamus had an ego, as did I. I had a massive ego too. And uh, it was just basically we went back down from each other. I thought I was writing one subject, he thought he was writing the other. And we fell out for a while, actually. Fell out for a couple of years. And then we, we started chatting again when we went over to the States, of course. And, yeah, we stayed in contact for a year or so. But I haven't heard off Seamus now since he's been on the main roster. And that's grand. 
because uh, he's, I wish him every success. He's has his own figures. He's, uh, he's on pay-per-views. He's internationally known. And yeah, I wish him every success. With still no word back from the WWE about an interview with Sheamus, I contacted them again, telling them I only had a short time left to complete the documentary and had been trying to get Sheamus for weeks. I explained how it was an Irish interest story and I was trying to tell his tale. After a few more emails back and forth, they requested clips of what I'd recorded and asked specifics about what I was going to say. While all this was going on, I met with Bam again, who was giving a beginner's class down at Main Stage Wrestling. When Seamus was over here, I'm sure he had his doubters, but I was very lucky to be somebody who was, like, even despite our age difference, he was very nice to me, you know what I mean? Like, he gave me lifts and stuff to shows for nothing. But last time I ran into him, I was in town with a few of my friends, and we saw him on Grafton Street. So we were just chatting for a little while, and it was refreshing to see that he's managed to remain so humble, even all the way up there. I think we have people down already. What's the story? Your trainee? Yeah. How's it going? It's a beginner class, so a lot of what we teach here is how to do things safely without hurting your opponent. But the thing is, is that this kind of fosters this idea of treating it like it's fake. So you'll see a thing where people are trying to sell or the word selling would mean basically, you know, trying to sell it to somebody as if it's real. So if I pick a guy up and he's like, oh no, please don't drop me, it sounds very fake. Whereas we teach a guy to treat it like it's real, like he might potentially get dropped on his head, adds that air of realism to the match and people can invest in it then as well. Because if you don't believe it, why should the people you're selling it to believe? It's darn kill. And what age are you? 19. Right. And what, what kind of got you into the wrestling or is always something you wanted to do or what made you come down? Um, started watching wrestling at a very young age and always uh, watched it every weekend and always wanted to be a wrestler. Have you given thought to what you would like to do? You know what I mean? If In an ideal world, where would you, like what role would you play on a show and what character would you have? A good guy. You want to be a good guy? <laughs> yeah. Do you have a name picked out? Castiel. Names like Castiel, Nathaniel, all these sort of names are biblical in a way. So you kind of have to present your... You have to be able to present it in such a way that it fits the name, but is also friendly to a children's audience. Like, would it be your dream to make it in WWE, or are you just, are you just having a bit of cracker? No, it, it's my dream to get to WWE. Well, I was uh, boxing from the age of 10, so that was, like, main fitness. And then, like, boxing, I wasn't really able to get the anger... Like, when I was in front of a crowd for my first match, it was, like, it was the entertaining the people, not, like, hurting the other lot that, uh, like, excited me. It wasn't exciting for me to hit, hurt the lot. It was exciting, like, the reaction of the crowd. When you backed him into the ropes, you shot him off there. That's not where you shoot him off. Step off. Understand, all right? You need to be back into the middle of the ring by the time you shoot him off, okay? Just little things like that. Bam, Johnny and Kaza have been working up to a show in Fatima Mansions in Dublin. It was a chance for them to promote themselves and practice what they'd been training so hard for. With today being my final deadline for hearing from Seamus' agent, I kept a watchful eye on my phone for emails or a call. 
but it was unlikely it was going to happen at this stage. How are you doing? Tickets, is it? Yeah, over here. On the way in, I was met at the entrance to the show by one of the main stage wrestling founders, John. Many of you just are just yourself. It's 14 year old kids. You go two tickets. If you give you the tickets at the door, you'll get a stamp on the hand. The show starts at half eight. Enjoy the show. We come in now. It takes about two hours to set up, two hours for the show, and then an hour to set down and take all the equipment out. See, a wrestler is not he's not just a wrestler, he's also a role model, you know, so Seamus is a good role model, you know, Fergal Devitt, they're all great, great respectful people and great role models to younger people, you know, so So just to explain to people listening, Seamus would have started at shows like this. Yeah, Seamus would have started off at shows like this around Ireland and uh, you know, there's there's always it's always how far do you want to bring it, you know? Do you, are you happy just doing the odd show at the weekend in Ireland or do you want to go to England and do more? Do you want to go to Europe and do more? Do you want to do a WWE trial? It's all about how much you want to push yourself. Not, the thing about this is nobody in here is going to promote you, so you have to get out and do it yourself. So do, do you see any lads in there now that you think have potential to make it that are pushing that hard? Being honest with you, there's everybody in there I see has the potential to make it. They have the heart and they have the drive. So uh, right now we're uh, backstage and the promoter has just come in and put up the card for the show. This will have on a who's you know winning, who's a good guy, who's a bad guy, and uh, like the times for the matches. So like in my case, I think I have about eight minutes. And then uh, the last match is Johnny versus uh, Paul Tracy for the title, which they have 12 minutes to play around with, so they're going to have plenty of time. What's the story? Just and Lee here a little bit. So, Men putting fake tan each other. Yeah, that's the, the business. This is exactly it. So basically, being that we're Irish, our colour is non-existent. Yeah, we're all very pale. So uh, the problem with this is, and you'll see it if you ever go like the bodybuilding contest or anything, the lads are wearing like ludicrous amounts of tan. We don't go to that extreme, but the point is, is a lot of us do work hard in the gym. So having when you have a very very pale palette, like if your color is very very pale, it just hides all your definition. Like so, it's just it's advantageous to be uh, a bit tanned. Plus as well. There's just that whole thing about people with tan. People just look at people with a tan like they're stars, even when, you know, they might be nothing spectacular. So when you combine that with if the lads have good bodies as well, it creates a better image, like superstar image, and that's what we're trying to put over this larger-than-life figure. Although it is very unglamorous. I am currently uh, tan on a man's armpit, so... You know what I mean? Yeah, he looks happy, and now I'm rubbing his chest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's... it's uh, it's not it's not a nice experience but you know I get my girlfriend to do it for me I don't know what this chap's excuse is Bam is preparing for his match depending on who is fighting and who is playing what particular role the matches are plotted like stories with good and bad characters crowd interaction and the various moves discussed alright uh, yeah so assume you're going to be out first so just uh, hop me on my entrance yeah like uh, I'll get up on the ropes Give me a couple of smacks, pull me down. I'll uh, fire up. I'll back you into the ropes. You can beat me up a little bit on the outside. You can roll me in, whichever you want. The one hope I want to do is uh, you be beating on me a little bit. Got to pick me up. I'll start firing up. I'll back you into the buckle. I'll got to whip you across. You reverse me. Follow me in. Give me your big knee. Then later we'll work that into the comeback. Uh, you set me up for the big knee. Really, really, really make a big thing that you're going to hit that knee again. Except this time I'll move out of the way. 
So you got to come out. Who's coming out first? Um, to be honest, we'll find out when the kind of music. Yeah, yeah like there, there are some shows where all that will be planned ahead of time. I will like typically the heel comes out first because it's it's easier to get a crowd to hate you than to like you. So if the heel comes out first and gets gets everybody in the crowd hating him, they'll instinctively like whoever comes out of the, out of the curtain next. Later on, I met Johnny Nataro, who was preparing for his headline match. He was wrestling a man called Paul Tracy, who I'd been hearing a lot about, and it looked like this might be a big opportunity for Johnny to take his wrestling career to the next level. I'm going against uh, Paul Tracy tonight, and he's a very respected wrestler all over the world. You know, he has links with uh, European promotions and Germany and stuff like that, and uh, he's like a, a kind of talent liaison between, like, Europe's indie independent level talent and Japan's uh, a company in Japan called Zero One Pro Wrestling. So, you know, personally, I, I kind of watch them and I have a lot of respect for them. And it's kind of I'm kind of a bit nervous, you know, going against Paul. But uh, his gimmick is that he's kind of I don't know, like aristocracy or something. He's like Lord of the Manor, you know. He's kind of posh and instantly for inner city Dublin people, you know, you know, they're gonna hate him you know what I mean he's going to come out tell them all how awful they are how you know probably call them scum or whatever you know and then I'll have to come out and he's already after setting it up they hate him so whoever comes through that court and is going to get a loud pop as we call it which is a cheer and uh, that kind of see Paul's so good it kind of makes it easy on me so they're kind of instantly in my corner you know as soon as they see anyone coming in defending them after this hated man comes out insulting them then it's kind of all easy from there you know now ladies and gentlemen at this time a certain wrestler from the back has asked if he can have some time to come out and talk to all of you so do you think we should bring him out he's not very nice but he's a sort of He's the sort of man that you can't really say no to. So, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, would you please welcome to the ring the Lord of the Manor, Sir Paul Tracy. I am an Irish wrestler. I am from County Wicklow, but I think been nice to talk to Seamus, but with the layers of corporate administration I encountered dealing with the WWE, I still don't know if he knew I was trying to get in contact. I call up with Bam a few days later and ask him if he thought Seamus' success was a one-off or if there are more superstars to come from Irish wrestling. The thing is about Seamus is that like, I, I never foresaw, for, like from knowing him, I never foresaw him not getting there. Do you get me? Now I'm 
honestly surprised that he's been as successful as he has because he's been a former champion there a couple of times like a, like their their main world heavyweight champion and WWE champion they're like their two main titles and he's held both of them as far as I know so uh, like he's been to the top of that promotion like his names are in the history books as a champion in an American promotion first the Irish man to do it so regardless to whatever he does with the rest of his life or his career he will always be the guy who did it first from Ireland like we should celebrate that more you know what I mean because he is like for people like me and everybody who wrestles in Ireland he's shown us that you can get there off the back of being a, an, an Irish like his his the majority of his work and stuff was done over here so for him to get all the way there from somewhere as small as this country proves to all of us that if you put in enough work with your body with your actual wrestling ability with your character your look everything you can do it you know what I mean that's what I say though like I'm actually it still is very surreal to see the chap like I said to you I was rubbing fake tan on his back at one stage or like riding in his car while we were all like like lit, he was singing along to the Foo Fighters or something. It's very surreal to see him now in front of you know fifty thousand people in a, uh, an arena in the states. You know what I mean? It's shocking. Or wrestling in Japan or somewhere like in Europe. Whenever they go on tour and stuff, it's just it's very surreal to see him be at that level. Like and he's so synonymous with the product now. Like Seamus.